I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Welcome to the Rolling Thunder Review. I am your host, Ben Mertens from Welcome to Loud City. Join me on the other line from Raptors HQ. We have Jay Rosales. What's up, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, uh, I don't know, this, this this matchup we got coming up is looking really exciting. So yeah, thanks for having me on and uh, I'm excited to talk about Raps and Thunder. Yeah, we get it twice. It, you know, We get it twice in a row. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday and Friday, a little home and home action for you, um, which is, I think this is the only home and home the Thunder are going to play this regular season, unless I've forgotten one from earlier. They might have had a home and home with the Magic. doesn't matter. The Raptors are a better team than the Magic. So let's get started talking about those Raptors. I normally, a lot of times in this program, start by asking people, you know, what's worked for your team so far? The answer for the Raptors is kind of everything. They've already won 50 games. They've already locked themselves into the playoffs. They're almost certainly going to be the second seed. They have, I guess, an outside chance of catching the Bucks for the one seed, but Looks like they're going to be the second seed, which is great for them. Um, so let's start on a different track. What's one thing that the Raptors kind of still struggle with? There could be like a vulnerability for them as we get very close to the end of the season and the start of the playoffs. Yeah, I think if there's uh, one thing that we are, we as Raptors fans are really concerned about is that there have been a grand total of one game where we have had a fully healthy squad, which is an incredible stat um, because this this team which has been known for its depth has been tested uh throughout the year right whether it's been Kawhi Leonard's load management or various thumb injuries to Valanciunas mm. or Van Vliet we've never had a fully healthy squad and the irony of that is um right before our last game against the Knicks Nick Nurse, um, I guess, jinxed it by saying, hey, I'm looking forward to this game on Wednesday against the Thunder because we'll finally have a fully healthy squad. And of course, during that game, uh, you know, Mitchell Robinson rolled over Kyle Lowry's ankle and now he's <laughs> questionable for the for the game against Thunder. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of the concerns is that without a fully healthy squad, you know, Nurse has admitted himself is that you can't really do the, the, the exact uh, lineups and rotation that you'd like to do. Uh, and and get some chemistry and some uh, continuity going there. So I think that's our biggest vulnerability at, at currently. Yeah, they've. Ch- I mean, a the lineup has changed. Obviously, there was trading for Marcus Gasol right at the deadline, and then um, picking Jeremy Lin up as a buyout guy. And then on top of that, just the injuries and the fact that it's you know kind of a new team. Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard both joined the team via trade. Pascal Siakam did not have this big of a role last year, and has like forced his way into start. A, a starting job, and B, into, like, fringe all-star consideration earlier this season. Um, and you yeah, as a team like that, like, you know, the Thunder, it's been clear pretty much since, like, the third game of the season when Jeremiah Grant took Patrick Patterson's spot in the starting lineup, who the best five-man lineup they had was. It's the five that start. For the Raptors, I think that's less clear, and it sounds like they're still trying to figure that out just due to these injuries. So let's start going through some of those guys. Um, we'll start with the most recent addition of the team, Marcus Gasol, brought in right at the trade deadline. What did you think of that trade, and how has he looked since coming to the Raptors so far? I absolutely love the trade. Uh, I was I was giddy like a schoolgirl when I heard that we had <laughs> trade for him. 
Um, one of the, the many things that I had been very vocal about over the, the past few years is, uh, is uh, as great as Valanchunas has been, especially this season and last season, um, there are limitations to his game, mainly, you know, his, his ability to get exposed against teams like, like the Golden State Warriors, who, you know, expose at, at the end of the day. <laughs> right. Uh, and his limitations in his game, whether it be the three-point shot, his ability to to pass, I mean, he's. it's kind of unfortunate for him that he kind of grew up in an era that was, uh, you know, a bit, he, he kind of came in a little bit late. If he, if he was in the 90s, he'd be an amazing uh, all-star and whatnot. But his limitations in the game kind of limited our, our ceiling, and trading for Gasol kind of raised the roof, uh, as it were, for, for what our potential was. And it's also a signal to... Um, Kawhi Leonard and I know we're going to talk, we're, this is obviously a hot topic all season long when you talk about the Raptors is whether or not Kawhi is going to stay and I feel like the trade for Gasol signaled to Kawhi you know we're going all out um, we will sacrifice some of our future because DeLon Wright uh, was was very highly regarded regarded as a possible backup point guard of the future should we uh, need to tear down and, and start over again so sacrificing a bit of our future with a bit of our present being JV for someone like Gasol who's on the wrong side of 30 um, was a big signal to to the fan base as well as Kawhi that, you know, they're in win now mode. As it comes to his effect on the team, it's been amazing. Everything that I could have hoped for, everything that Raptors fans could have hoped for. Uh, since Marc Gasol joined the Raptors, um, some numbers for you, the, the Raptors have increased their number of assists from 15th in the league to fourth, uh, number of passes from 20th to sixth, and points created off assists from 13th to second. So the the amount of ball movement that's going around and the the, the result of those, that ball movement has just been amazing. And uh, I mean, you can see it. I mean, it passes the, the numbers test, but even the eye test. I mean, when you're, when you have a guy like, Gasol, who immediately in his first game was very vocal on the defensive end, calling out switches and calling out all kinds of plays that he's seeing on the defensive end. I mean, that's just, uh, I, I'm, I'm highly excited <laughs> about where we're headed as a team uh, with, with Gasol on, on this roster. Yeah, I, you know, at the very, at the summer when this Kawhi Leonard trade first happened, I wrote an article for our site about how this is Toronto is with Kawhi Leonard taking kind of the same gamble that the Thunder took with Paul George trading for a guy who has one year left on his contract is obviously a super superstar player and there's no guarantee you can keep him. And so you got to kind of try to got to try to go all out to make sure you can keep that guy. And one of the things the Thunder did, which did not work at all basketball wise, was trade for Carmelo Anthony. But that did send a signal to George, like, look how serious this team is. They want to win right now. They're going to do what it takes. They're going to trade for this 10-time All-Star who then played, not like a 10-time All-Star. But he was on the record saying he was really impressed by that move, and he loved them going out and getting Carmelo Anthony, who was a player he admired. And the Gasol thing is the same thing, um, except it's worked much better basketball-wise, to your point. And I really liked it from for Toronto, you know, A, going for it from the Kawhi standpoint, going for it of a all-in to try to push to the finals this year standpoint. And as a basketball fit, because he gave them something they didn't have, which was an elite passer uh, from the elbows and from the top of the key. Like Gasol is a, a good scorer and a pick and pop guy, but Serge Ibaka can also do pick and pop. And defensively, Gasol is going to be better than Valanciunas or Ibaka against a guy like Embiid. 
but against like you know faster point guards he might struggle a bit but he offensively he gives you that passing facilitating guy where the only great passer on the raptors is like kyle lowry um Kawhi gets some assists but he's no much better at getting his own shot fred van vliet is a decent backup point guard like gasol is an elite elite passer one of the best passing big men around um and it just gives the raptors one more thing to work with and i guess the only concern there is do they have enough time to work in Gasol along with everything else that we already talked about and try to figure out what the best lineups are yeah I agree and uh, you know one of the my favorite stats when when we first acquired him was um that he's number one in elbow assists over the last six years and counting so I mean that just opens up another avenue for the Raptors offense and again to to my point earlier that you know it's we've seen the the fruits of that of, of those uh, of those passes so Valanciunas was part of that trade for Gasol um huge upgrade obviously so the remaining you know kind of center now on the team is Serge Ibaka former Thunder um who is more of a power forward when he played in OKC but I think he has rightfully played more of his minutes at center as he's gotten older what has the Serge Ibaka experience been like in Toronto over these last couple of years, uh, aside from these fights that he keeps getting into and keeps getting suspended for? I feel One like this, it seems like. It, it, I was just going to say the same thing. It's like we we almost made it. I mean, we made it to, to the beginning of March and he hadn't had a fight and all of a sudden it just happened. So, yeah, he's met his quota. So I'm kind of, uh, I guess I'm glad that that's out of the way. I'm also <laughs> well, glad on, on the timing of it because... Um, he gets to return against the Thunder, right? So it's not like he's, yeah. I mean, there was this article I was reading the other day about how he has this tendency to, when he gets into brawls, he manages to miss his punches. And that actually works in his favor because Short when, if he punches. actually do connect, then you're out for much longer, right? Um, but the experience has been um, improving, I'll say, because when he first joined the team, I think the biggest knock on him was, um that you know i guess everyone was kind of hoping for the the dominant ibaka that was on on the thunder and it wasn't quite happening at least on when when we first acquired him and and that got even worse during last year's playoffs when he was an absolute no-show um so yeah the the i guess the the jury was out on him heading into the season and you know there were a lot of hesitation from raptors fans um, but I think Nick Nurse and more specifically Kyle Lowry have done a great job in terms of um, bringing out the best in him. The, the pick and roll game between Lowry and Ibaka has been incredible. Uh, Ibaka is um, among the league leaders in uh, two-point field goal percentage, and, and that mid-ranger is money. And it kind of makes up for some of the, the mid-range jumpers that, that was kind of lost when we gave up to Rosen this summer. But... I believe Ibaka was is uh, at last check he was number one in the league in um, I think 16 or those mid-range jumpers in terms of uh, percentage. So mm-hmm. uh, a great addition to have, and you know it, it's kind of a very difficult thing to to guard. I mean, whenever they would run the pick and roll, the second it ends up in Ibaka's hands, there's just this comfort level um, as as a viewer that you know that that ball's going in. So um very exciting to see i think that um you know it, it gives me some hope at least that you know we we've we've got a solid foundation come playoff time but again uh, as i was mentioning earlier in terms of this this playoff ibaka that didn't show up last year there the, the jury's still out and hopefully you know we don't it doesn't rear its ugly head and, and you know to take that step a little bit further is that if 
for some reason the Ibaka from last year's playoff shows up, that's the assurance, the insurance that Gasol provides, right? I mean, we have two very good all-star caliber centers that uh, we can play with here. And, uh, you know, if, if Ibaka falters at all, then we, we know we've got Gasol that we can just kind of sub right in there. So uh, I, I, I'm very hopeful on, on how this turns out. And, um, you know, this season has proved that he's um, he's been he's been worth the wait. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten better, at least in the regular season, since leaving Oklahoma City, where in Oklahoma City, you know, he was his role defensively. He was Serge Ibaka. He blocked a ton of shots and he was a fringe DPOI guy some of the years in OKC and was huge from that. And offensively, it was stand in the corner and take a lot of corner threes or like corner 18 footers. And in Toronto in the regular season last year, I, I'm going to be honest, I did not watch a lot of Serge Ibaka in Orlando for the like four months he was there. <laughs> but once he got to Toronto, um, he got to do a little bit more with the ball in his hands and it looked like on pick and rolls, he was used more as a dive man, whereas the Thunder would often use like Steven Adams in that role more than him. Um, and then in the playoffs last year, to your point, I was at, I think it was game four between the Wizards and the Raptors, where the Wizards, despite being the eight seed, tied that series. And Ibaka just looked completely lost in that series. Yeah. Um, didn't know what to do when he got the ball. So then wasn't calling for the ball. So then wasn't getting the ball that much. It's like, we're paying this guy to be the third star on this team, along with Lowry and DeRozan. And we're not getting that production from him. Now, he doesn't have to be that. Um, if he's not working, you do have this other option, Gasol. And they've both been fantastic. Um Gasol's already, I looked it up, plus 16, his net rating with uh, the Raptors in pretty, obviously, more limited minutes. But Ibaka is plus um, 8.4 over the much longer structure of the season. So you've got two, like, guys there who fit with the rest of the team very well and who do different things, right? When you play, if you play the Philadelphia 76ers, Gasol is going to be a better matchup for Embiid. If you play the Boston Celtics, Ibaka might be a better matchup against Al Horford. Or if one's just, even matchup aside, if one's just not playing well, you have another great, great option. Um which I think is really important just to have yeah. that flexibility in playoffs because the Thunder are about to go into the playoffs having maybe six or seven guys you trust. And the Raptors have maybe eight, nine, even ten guys who won't even all play, but in a certain series or if one guy just not performing well, you have these other options. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and one trump card I think that some Raptors fans are hoping for, me included, is uh, using Siakam at center. Yes. Uh, he yes. is... He is uh, He's been a joy to watch this year, and uh, you know I, I'm hoping that Nurse has just been not putting him in at center for too much because he's kind of holding that as his trump card come playoff time. Yeah, I would love to see that, and I'm glad you brought Siakam up because I did want to talk to you about him. So he has come out of nowhere this year. I would say he was you know a late first round draft pick um, a couple seasons ago, started getting you know more minutes last season, but not. I think most casual basketball fans had not heard of Pascal Siakam coming into the season. And then all of a sudden, he is just performing for this Toronto Raptors team. So, I mean, did you see this coming at the start of the season? What have you thought about Pascal this year? Uh, I didn't. I didn't see this coming. I mean, even as a diehard Raptors fan, I mean, we had our, our hopes up. And, uh, you know, there were there were always talks about, okay, well, if now that the Raptors have, have Kawhi, if there was any – if there were any trade pieces – that are still valuable because the Raptors don't have, um, you know, very good draft picks available and, you know, those won't be worthwhile anyways. Uh, It would always be Siakam or OG. In fact, even before the, the Kawhi trade, when there were, you know, rumors about Kawhi possibly ending up in Toronto and, and when Woj first dropped that bomb that 
that Kawhi was headed to Toronto, everyone started guessing, okay, well, it's Kawhi uh, for DeMar. That's all we know right now. And for those three plus hours, everyone was guessing and everyone had either some form of Siakam and or OG and Unobi in those. And those were our two highly sought out prospects. The fact that you know, Masai was able to pull that off without giving up either of them was just a miracle. And, and I, I can go on and on about that trade. But yeah, uh, the the long and the short of it is that we're very happy that Siakam is still on the squad. And I'll even admit that despite me gushing over him all year, how he can defend any position, he's, he's perfect for today's NBA in terms of switchability. And um, his he, he guarantees you some fast break points several times a game. Um, as recently as six weeks ago, I was still throwing him into the trade machine. And that's because uh, as recently as six weeks ago, Anthony Davis was available. So, right. I mean, you, you kind of get spoiled a bit by what, what Masai Ujiri is able to do with this team. And you you start to wonder, like, oh, what what is he capable of doing? So when Anthony Davis was available, all of a sudden I was like, well, I mean, Siakam is great and he's a future all-star, but Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis, right? So... Uh, I'll admit that you know, as recently as six weeks ago, I wasn't. Uh, I, I was. I was 99% all in on Siakam, but that 1% was for the possibility of getting, you know, an all-world talent like Davis. Right. Having said right. that, I'm glad that we've kept Siakam because ever since that trade deadline, he has been playing out of his mind, and he is going to be a problem in the playoffs. Not only because of his ability to switch on defense, but on offense. He can be a ball handler if needed. He can now hit the uh, the three-pointer, which was his main weakness coming into the season. So in terms of finding a flaw in his game, there there really isn't much. Um, you, you know, you could have used the, the um, Antetokounmpo rule of, okay, well, instead of him driving on us all the time or doing his spins, let's just back off on him. That that's not going to work anymore because his three-point mm-hmm. shot is is really coming around, especially that corner three. So, uh, yeah, to, to answer your question, didn't see this coming, but I'm very excited for, for the future because, you know, I'm sure the, the question about what's going to happen down the line, especially with Kawhi's decision on whether he stays or goes, a lot of it is, um, I mean, it's promising to know that regardless of Kawhi's decision, that you have a potential all-star uh, in in Siakam just waiting there and and ready to to take on any challenge. Yeah. I first of all, I also was hoping. I thought Anthony Davis to the Raptors was like kind of the dark horse. You know, don't send him to Lakers. They can't train him to Boston. Send him to Toronto. If Toronto was able to get him in the door along with Kawhi Leonard and Kyle, and then you send up literally everyone else who uh, the Pelicans want. That's a team that could not only win the East but could even maybe push this Golden State team. But it never seemed like there was any real buzz about that. So now Pascal gets to stay in Toronto where he's been a great fit. And I have really loved watching this year. To me, from the Thunder perspective, Pascal is what you know what you hope Jeremiah Grant could turn into in a couple of years, um, even though they're already the same age. So Pascal's well ahead of the curve there. But right to so these guys who like would have been small forwards even five years ago probably, but are playing the, the power forward role now in the modern NBA, um, can shoot the three can do stuff with the ball in their hands, can defend one through five defensively. They're long, they're rangy. They're skinnier than like a traditional power forward, but it seems to be working out well, especially with you pair them with a good rebounder like Adams here in OKC or in Ibaka or now Gasol or Valanciunas when he was still there in Toronto. Um, and just to your point, Siakam can do stuff with the ball in his hand. The biggest thing 
over, that he has over Grant. It's, he's a better scorer inside. Like he has the spin move, which Grant does not have. But he also racks up assists. He gets his averages like I think three per game. And if Jeremy Grant averages any assists per game, it's like one. What Grant gives the Thunder is like at any one point the Thunder have two guys on the court, either Westbrook or Dennis Schroeder, and then Paul George when he's out there with them, or sometimes Westbrook and Schroeder the other, who can do something with the ball in their hands. And Grant, when he catches the ball in space can do something in that he can drive to the rim and finish a play. Like he doesn't need to just dunk um, or he can shoot a three, but he's not able to set up others. And Siakam is able to make some decent passes. And to your point, he's just a threat in transition. And that spin move is beautiful. Um, an incredible thing that I think Grant should study some tape of, but yeah, Jeremiah Grant is having the the best season of his career. And what I'd hoped for him, I'd wanted him to start even going back to last year. Cause I thought Mello just was not contributing anything anymore. Grant's had his career, and Siakam is, I'm like, okay, well, maybe in two more years, Jeremiah Grant can be Pascal Siakam. So I'm yeah, interested it, to see those guys uh, play against each other tomorrow night. And, oh, yeah, uh, Friday same night. here. I, I fully agree. And, and it just, I think the 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 balance in that is, is, is kind of funny because you're right. I mean, I can absolutely see Grant um, following in the same footsteps as Siakam a year or two down the line where, you know, he kind of steps up and improves those small holes that he has in his game. Mm-hmm. But his improvement this year, I mean, even as a, as a Toronto fan who who never gets to watch Thunder games, even I've noticed it, and it's it's amazing to see and very promising for for the Thunder's future. And I think it's it's kind of ironic that with with Grant kind of uh, you know on the precipice of of, of being uh, I guess the Thunder is Siakam. On the flip side, we're hoping that Leonard ends up following the same path that George did, right? About absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the rumors about going to LA are the same, and we're just hoping that he resigns and and stays in Toronto. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, so what is your feel on that? Do you think, I mean, at this, do you think it comes down to how well they do in the playoffs or like how far in the playoffs will they have to go to guarantee stays or is it just totally up in the air with Kawhi? Uh, you know, uh, I've, d- depending on when this episode gets published, uh, I'll tell you right now, the, the short answer is I, I, I have a strong feeling he's staying regardless of how, uh, how we do in the playoffs. Having said mm-hmm. that, uh, a trip to the Eastern Conference Finals will help. A trip to the NBA Finals will absolutely, you know, put things overboard. And I think Raptors fans are going to go a little crazy. Now, let alone with the, the uh, a final strip, but just the the thought of of Leonard uh, staying. And I, I don't know if I'm in, I'm probably in the minority here, but uh, I, first of all, in, in terms of saying that he is going to stay, but it's just that the media outside of Toronto is 
so adamantly sure that he is going to leave for the Clippers. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm blindsided by, um, uh, by my, my Raptors fandom, or am I just reading the tea leaves a little bit uh, better than, than those that are outside of Toronto? Because I mean, I I think again, the, the, the parallels to, to Paul George and the thunder, I mean, it was, it was written in stone, right? Like he was going to the Lakers. I mean, gone. I mean, you and obviously, especially when they uh when they lost that first round series in six games to the oh, Jazz, yeah. gone, oh. gone. Everyone thought he was out the door. Absolutely right. And I think that what what gets lost in all this is it's not just about wins and losses. It's the and and you can obviously speak to this way better than I can. But I mean, what? Do, actually, you know, let me turn this around and ask you. What do you think was the biggest factor in in him resigning? That that I guess regular NBA fans or, or non-Thunder fans just didn't see? So it's two things that as far as I would know, not that I've, you know, have inside sources with the Thunder, but so culture is the first thing, which is a buzzword that everyone throws around. Everyone wants to talk about team culture, but the Thunder have always run themselves as that kind of a, a Spurs type organization that's focused on the little details, right? They had a welcoming party from the moment Paul George got off the plane they went fishing with him. He loves fishing right when he got to Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook, who has you know, gotten some crap in the past for how good of a teammate he is, like, went out of his way to ingrate himself with Paul George, do things he liked. They were laser tagging together right after that loss in the playoffs to show they were buds. Um, and so he really liked the organization. Not that he was coming from a bad organization, the Pacers, but just this very professional organization that went out. You know, As much as the Carmelo Anthony trade did not work on the court, it showed how serious they were about pushing for a championship, which PG was big about. And I think the second thing is Paul George has become the Thunder's best player this year, but he still is not the driving engine of the offense. That's Russell Westbrook. And I think Paul George really liked that because he kind of had to do that in Indiana because their point guards were guys more like George Hill and Jeff Teague, who are fine point guards but aren't making things run. Paul George had to make things run. And Paul George prefers, and his best role is playing without the ball in his hands more than with the ball in his hands, you know, coming off of a lot of pin down screens, moving around, roving the floor. And then as the defense is, if the defense is distracted by someone else, he's able to get the ball and hit fire. If the defense isn't broken down, he's still going to make plays because he's a great player, but it's easier for him. Um, if someone else is the one starting the position with the ball in hands and Westbrook was able to do that for him. And that was the first time in his career he played with the guy who could do that for him. Um, now if he'd gone to the Lakers, Obviously, LeBron James is also capable of doing that. But I think Paul George, like the culture in Oklahoma City, I think there's been some noise out there that superstar players were hesitant about hitching themselves to LeBron's uh, team because there's a lot more of a media circus with that. Oklahoma City does not have any sort of a media circus around it. Um, Much smaller city. And as much as PG is from LA and likes LA, those are, I guess, the reasons he stayed. The culture of the team and then just being able to play with a guy like Westbrook, who's not only a fellow great player, but also a great player who meshes really well with PG's style. I think everything, every single word you said is music to my ears. Because <laughs> all of that just jives perfectly with Kawhi and Toronto when it comes to thinking about the culture that, that, that Toronto has built here. I mean, just the word load management was not a thing this year. And all of a right. sudden... You know, teams like Philly are now doing it and L.A. I mean, it's it's a, a term that I feel like Toronto started with Kawhi Leonard. Other teams are starting to do that now. Um, and that's just one of many reasons. And I, I, I don't want to spoil it, but I'll, all I'll say is this for anyone listening to this podcast. Take a look at Raptors HQ tomorrow. Uh, sorry, not tomorrow. I should say on Wednesday, approximately 11 a.m. We've got something big. 
that'll that'll come out. I'm I'm a part of it, and I'll just say it's going to be worth your while, even for a chuckle. But honestly, uh, I'll just say this: I think I think Kawhi's staying. Um, and then further to your point about um, you know, not having to necessarily be the the, the driving force behind the offense, not necessarily being uh, you know being forced to be the the superstar to carry the team on his back. I think that um, Lowry definitely fits the bill there as the, the, the Westbrook to your George. So uh, there's, there's a lot to like there in terms of what you said. And, and, and uh, you know, the hope here is that um, not only that, that, that we can, uh, that we've kind of won him over with the culture is that, you know, the advantage that Toronto has over not just LA, but really any other team that's going to make a pitch to Kawhi is that he, by the time he is, um, you know, we, we all assume he's not going to pick up his player option, but by the time July 1st rolls around, there is the, the Raptors have a year head start on on, on right. the competition and he's already here so I think th- there's a lot to like there and um, yeah I'm, I'm I'm not even willing to uh, I haven't even really considered as others have but I haven't really considered what this team will look like without Kawhi um, because I think I'm so laser focused on he's, he's definitely staying um, but if we were to venture down that road if we were to consider him leaving um it's uh, Masai has set up this this team to be ready to uh, rebuild um, fairly quickly. I mean, that was part of I mean, even just looking at the DeRozan for Kawhi trade, DeRozan mm-hmm. had an additional year on his contract versus Kawhi's. So he got out of that contract. Um, most contracts, if we looked even past next season, only one person is under contract. And that's Norm Powell at 10 million. But between this offseason and next year, I mean, it's uh, next year already. The the, the Raptors roster is, is fairly set. We can also fairly assume that, um, assuming things go fairly well in the playoffs, Gasol is probably going to pick up his player option, stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, the the decisions around how we're going to fit in uh, Kawhi's contract will will definitely affect other areas of the roster. But um, again, back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, having Siakam there, having Ibaka and having Lowry all under contract and ready to go. That's already a great core. So um, I'm not too concerned about if even if he were to leave, what this team will look like. I don't think it'll be any kind of downward spiral into Tank City. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just excitement all around. But at the end of the day, I, I really do think he's, he's staying. I like the optimism. Um, I love this trade the moment was made because it reminded me of the Paul George trade, which worked out. But even if Leonard does leave, to your point, they got off the extra year of DeRozan's contract. They're very well set up with Siakam's leap and OG Ananobi is a promising young guy. They'll have guys like Lowry and Gasol who can either keep them at like a high 40s win pace and make the playoffs. Or if they wanted to pivot towards like a full rebuild, you could get decent assets for those guys. They're well set up if Leonard does leave. Obviously, if he stays, they're, you know, an elite team now. They could contend for a championship this year if he stays that could continue into the future so that's enough about you know the raptors writ large let's talk specifically about these two games coming up where do you think where should toronto look to kind of attack okc when toronto has the ball and is looking to score where where are the strong points that they have against this oklahoma city defense Uh, i kind of hinted at it earlier in terms of uh, how the team has looked since uh, acquiring gasol and it's it's really about just moving the ball Uh, Mm -hmm. there were times uh, earlier in the season, when even especially when when Kawhi's on the floor, that you know 
the Raptors would just give him the ball and it would just be iso ball all the way until you know he he gets a shot. So there wasn't much creativity on that end. But ever since Gasol has been acquired, again, there's been a lot of passing. Even uh, if we look at secondary assists, the the Raptors are second in the NBA since the trade. Uh, potential assists, the Raptors have gone up from 15th to third. So again, at, at the very core, it's about moving the ball. And um, I guess some promising stats from that is that, you know, since the All-Star break, the the Raptors, who were struggling earlier in the season in, in hitting their threes, have now turned that around and have been on fire from beyond the arc. So they've been uh, currently their fourth in the league in threes made since the All-Star break and first in three-point field goal percentage. Um, how that relates to this game is that um, during that same stretch, since the All-Star break, uh, the Thunder are 25th in opponent three-point field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. And um, they're also 28th in opponent's free throw attempts. Um, the Raptors are a very good free throw shooting team, um, fifth in the league over the entire season. So um, I think that the 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 ex- the amount of ball movement will not only open up the the floor in terms of allowing for more threes or open threes to be shot, um, it'll also end up opening up uh, driving lanes because what what I think will end up happening is that OKC will a lot of the, the defenders will stay home on defense and stay closer to their shooters, mm-hmm. and that just opens up driving lanes and there goes the you know the free throw attempts will possibly go up there. So I mean, there's a lot of things to like about uh, Toronto on the offensive end. Yeah, Gasol is a problem in this one because Oklahoma City all year Stephen Adams has struggled defending these centers who can facilitate from the elbows or from the top of the arc. Um, A, it pulls him away from the rim where he's effective as a rim protector and as the guy, you know, Stephen Adams doesn't rack up a ton of defensive rebounds himself, but he creates defensive rebounds because he's such an artist as a box-out guy, so then Westbrook ends up being the one pulling down those rebounds. You pull Adams away from the rim, you're able to get better looks when you're at the rim, you're able to get a few more offensive rebounds against a Thunder team that's normally good at not allowing them. And Adams has struggled, like, He's a fine post defender. He struggles defending guys in space. Now, Gasol isn't as quick or as much of a driving threat as like Nikola Jokic and Al Horford are of getting Adams problems, but he is still going to play far away from the rim where Adams is less comfortable. And to your point, if Gasol is up at the elbows or the top of the three-point arc with Adams guarding him and there's four three-point shooters around him, so the Thunder have to stay relatively attached, those backdoor cut lanes are wide open. So if one guy is able to just slip himself three, Gasol's going to dime him up and that's going to be very effective. Um, if the Thunder are playing those lanes more and playing off, that's going to lead to those open threes that you talked about, which the Thunder have been porous at defending since the All-Star break. Their defense overall is like okay since the All-Star break. Their offense has been dreadful, which is why they've been losing so much. But, you know, they were like an elite defensive team the first few months of the season. Recently, they've been an above average one and against like a great team with the Raptors. Above average on defense won't cut it if your offense isn't producing on the other end. They have the nice thing is, you know, Kawhi Leonard is still the best player in the Raptors. Paul George can probably defend him about as well as any wing defender in the league. So you like that. And you probably like if um, Toronto is, you know, dumping the ball to Kawhi and trying to isolate against PG. He'll get some because he's Kawhi, but PG will get some stops because he's PG. But if the ball is swinging around the court, OKC has struggled against those ball movement heavy teams. Um, teams like the Nuggets recently have really carved them up with passing. And yeah, the three point, the three point line, some of it is teams have hit shots to like you're OK seeding, like, Draymond Green was hitting threes when they played the Warriors on Saturday. Dwayne Wade was hitting threes when they played the Heat last night. It's like, all right, you live with that. But there are some of it is real where they're not defending the line as well as they were earlier in the season because they're worried about other things or they think, you know, Paul George is very good at like 
he plays pretty far off a guy, and he's so long and quick that he recovers. Russell Westbrook and Terrence Ferguson are not as good as that, but they'll play off anyways, and then suddenly that three-pointer is open and it falls. So I do think I, – I am worried about defending the Raptors, both because they're an elite offense and both because Oklahoma City's defense just hasn't been what it was at the start of the season um, since the All-Star break. And because, you know, Lowry, Leonard, Siakam are all great players too, but at least, like, I think the Thunder have good option against them. Gasol is exactly the kind of center that Steven Adams struggles against. Um, and when Abaka comes back from suspension, because is he going to play in the Wednesday game or is he going to play in yeah. or the Friday yeah, game? He, or both? He's, okay. back, he's, he's back, back for the Wednesday games. game. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a pick-and-pop guy, which also gives Adams the same kind of problems where the Thunder especially like to blitz, pick-and-roll, and have Adams come very high up. Um, and then the idea, you know, if you have a rim-rolling center, is that Jeremy Grant or whoever tags them in the lane and can recover the shooter, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But Abaka's not going to do that. He's going to slide back out to the three-point line a lot of the time for those pick-and-pop threes that he's pretty good at. And that's just another thing. Like, the Thunder just kind of struggle against those big men who can pass or can shoot threes. Gasol can do b- both of those things. Abaka can shoot threes. There's not going to be a minute where Steven Adams is playing against the type of center he's comfortable with. He was very comfortable playing against Jonas Valanciunas, but he's not on the team anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think if if if, uh, if there's any I, I, if there was a poison to pick when it comes to the Raptors, it is actually what you mentioned in terms of Gasol and Ibaka. Yes, they can shoot the three, but they're not the ones. I mean, if if you were to pick one, you've got better. Those shooters. are the, those are the ones. Yeah, there are better mm-hmm. shooters. Those are the ones, and Ibaka has shown. That you know, if if there's any any daylight and he's beyond the arc, he'll take it. And if you're the Thunder, you live with that because that's that's probably the 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 lesser of the other options, right? Right. The Thunder try to play a defense where they give up, you know, nothing. They don't give up threes or shots at the rim. But you can get overtaxed that way if you're anything less than perfect, which is why they have kind of given up. You know, in some games they've given up a lot of threes. In the game against Miami, that Miami get. Miami hit a bunch of threes at the start of the game. They overcorrected, and then Miami got into the lane pretty much at mm-hmm. will, which is not something you would have said about the Miami Heat a lot this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Thunder have a lot to figure out that. And on the flip side of it, when OKC is on offense, where do you think Toronto needs to focus the most of their energies at defending um, this kind of Oklahoma City attack, which has not been that great over the last three weeks? Yeah, I, I, and I... I I realize that yeah they 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 haven't been that great on offense. I mean uh, I I talked about this. I have a weekly article, the wrap up, where I I preview the games of the week. And one of the the stats that kind of blew my mind was that the you know the Thunder are ranked 29th since the All Star break. But having said that, I believe it is 30th after the loss to the Heat last night. <laughs> actually, no, it's funny. I actually it was 30th when I wrote it on Sunday night. And after the Heat game, it actually went up to 29th. Oh, when I checked. okay. So, I had seen 30th. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but despite that, the part that scares me about OKC's offense is that they're number one in offensive rebounding. And that's just an area where Toronto just perpetually struggles at. And, uh, yeah, I'm worried about crashing the boards, to be honest. I mean, the, you know, we can, we can say all we want about how Toronto's defense is, you know, it's top 10 defense and there's a lot of guys that can switch, but at the end of the day, um, we are very susceptible to very good offensive rebounding teams. And that just, that sucks the life out of you when you're making the right calls on defense, making the right switches, forcing bad shots, but you can't corral the rebound. It's Mm -hmm. just, it sucks the life out of you. So that for me is what I'm really worried about. And in taking it a step further, um, both our bigs, Ibaka and Gasol have been susceptible when, when you do the pick and roll game against them, 
they tend to just lay back, wait in the paint, and that just opens up a, a free mid-ranger from the free throw line for anyone who's who's the pick-and-roll ball handler. So um, if you're looking for areas to exploit, I mean, Russell can have that 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 free throw shot every every time that shot at the free throw line. So that's one area where, you know, he can definitely exploit. And then if any of our bigs finally start to play up to their man, then there you go. The, the boards are ready for it to be crashed. Right. So right. Uh, I think that's the area that I'm kind of concerned about. Um, other than that, I mean, I, if, if, as long as they play as the Raptors play, at least kind of average on that end, I think we'll be okay on the, on the defensive end. Um, because I really don't think OKC as as poorly as their offense has looked since the All-Star break, this is not their identity. And I think you mm-hmm. can probably answer this better than I can. I mean, this is a team that um, I still have. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on this podcast, but <laughs> I literally wrote this uh, a couple weeks ago, how if I were to predict how the playoffs would go, I would predict a Raptors Thunder NBA Finals. And I know that that sounds like I'm just saying that, but I really wrote that. I wish I could just tweet it out to say that I actually did. Uh, and also the the podcast that we run on last week's episode, which I actually was not on, um, the three of the, the three of the guys doing the, the podcast, they ran through the entire playoff bracket and, you know, going series by series, game by game, whatever. And they also ended up with Raptors versus Thunder. Uh, so again, back to the original question about the, the offense. Yes, it's been horrible since the All-Star break, but this is not their identity. We all know that, uh, you know, even if they, they, they continue to play this poorly come playoff time, nobody wants to face this Thunder team. And and I include the Warriors in that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I look forward to this game. I mean, I kind of wish that Lowry was hundred percent. It doesn't, it sounds like he's questionable for Wednesday, at the very least, he may be there for Friday, but I'm I'm hoping to see both teams at full strength and you know just kind of going for each other because if anything, at least for the Raptors standpoint, this is the last team who they play in the regular season that has a net rating above zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the easiest schedule remaining in the in the entire league, so these two games I really wanted it to be at full strength just to kind of at least give me peace of mind that a we're ready for the playoffs and b that we can finally play fully healthy yeah i think i'm hoping what you said is a good dose of uh reality to some of the thunder fans who have seen this we've lost the last three games and the sky is falling the thunder aren't even going to make the playoffs now it's like calm down it's march um dear so the thunder have not been playing the way you would want them to play since the all-star break and i think a few things have gone into that paul george was hurt he got hurt you know the first game back from the all-star break they beat the jazz in this double overtime thriller they looked fine in that game that was the game Paul George, I, he got taken out the next game for hurting his shoulder and then missed three straight. And since coming back, he was clearly not the same guy. If you lose your guy who's like your MVP candidate, your best offensive and defensive player, your team is going to suffer. The heartening thing recently is he's looked better. He put up good numbers in the Heat loss and the Golden State loss. He's run the form. Russell Westbrook has shot the ball better even as the team hasn't played as well. I don't know how much of that is just the noise of he's figured out his jump shot while Paul George was hurt, so of course they weren't winning as much, whereas there could be a second part of it where if Westbrook's jump shot is falling a little better, it's still not falling as well as Paul George's or other looks, but he'll look for his own shot a little more, and that sucks the energy out of the Thunder offense because Russ is one of those guys who can shoot you out of a game on the wrong night. But 
I think for the most, I think Russell Westbrook being able to shoot again, at least passively, is a good thing, not a bad thing. That's my hot take. And I think if he and Paul George are both hitting at the same time, things will be okay. The concerning thing past those two guys is that uh, Jeremiah Grant and Terrence Ferguson, Ferguson especially, haven't shot the three balls well since the All Star break. And you need those guys to hit threes because that's who defenses are going to slough off of or even ignore completely in the playoffs until those guys are able to punish them by hitting some three-pointers. You saw us in the playoffs last year against the Jazz when Jeremiah Graham was out there. The Jazz did ignore him when the Thunder went to him. He couldn't hit a three. He's shooting 38% this year. Ferguson is hitting like 36%. But until those guys prove it with the bright lights on in the playoffs, that's where the help is going to come from. So those guys do need to be able to hit a decent amount of their threes for the Thunder to be as good as they want to be. But if Westbrook and George are both firing and they're looking for the right kind of shots, right? To your point, it's one thing for Westbrook to take those pull-up shots at the foul line against a drop big. What he sometimes does is he, like, the screen comes, he gets, like, one step around inside the three-point line. He hasn't even really created space, and he shoots anyways. Got to get rid of those shots. Got to get rid of those shots where he tries to back a guy like, you know, Kyle Lowry in this game, who's actually a very good point guard defender, into the post and shoots these, like, gross, bricky fadeaway jumpers. Got to get rid of those. When Russell Westbrook is in pick-and-roll mode, looking either get all the way to the rim or those pull-up mid-range jumpers, but really get all the way to the rim because that's what's opened up the passing and everyone else. And if Paul George is circling around screens while that's happening, catching the ball with space to pull up for three or drive throw himself, that just is going to open up even more space. And if you give Ferguson and Grant even more space, more open threes versus contested threes, hopefully their percentages start to come back in the line. So I do think there's plenty of time for the Thunder to figure it out. Um, the problem for them is, unlike the Raptors, who have that very easy schedule, the Thunder have the hardest schedule at least in the Western Conference, left in the regular season. They got to play teams like they got to play the Raptors twice. They got to play the Nuggets again. They have to play the Bucks still. Um, so it's not going to be easy. But you also don't want to fatten yourself up by beating up on the Phoenix Suns and saying, okay, we're ready for the playoffs. I do think this is a good kind of crucible test for them. And if they are able to get their offense rolling against these great teams, then there's no reason it won't be rolling into the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. And you, you hit it on the head with that last point in, in terms of like the Raptors, um, you know, have, have the easiest schedule, which means, again, that it just increases the importance of these next two games against the Thunder uh, as our last test before the playoffs. Um, when you were talking about, um, you know, the different players and their roles, there was one name you didn't mention. And as a Raptors fan, yes. we're a little interested in Patrick Patterson. Like I know he's not, you know, a, a very integral part of, of, of the rotation, but uh, I guess two questions. One is basketball related. One's not. One is like, how is he, how has he been? Like, how, how have you felt? He Like, is he even part of your playoff rotation? Or is he just kind of a, a minutes filler in, in, in garbage time? Um, and the second question I'll, I'll ask after. But, yeah, how, how has he been? He has sadly been kind of a disappointment in Oklahoma City. He's not fallen all the rotation. But they signed him, not this summer, but last summer, before they traded for Carmel Anthony and Thomas. He was going to start the power forward position. And he's always been, like, a had great net ratings um, with the Raptors. He would play in those Kyle Lowry plus bench units that killed everybody. Um, he can shoot the three as a stretch four. He's a decent guy at like moving the ball to the next play. Like not like a great passer, but a ball mover. The ball doesn't stick with Patrick Patterson and a good defensive force. And that's like, that's perfect. That's what Oklahoma City needs at the four alongside these two great offensive players. And it just has never worked out that way. His defense, he's looked slower. I believe he had, was recovering from an injury and left Toronto and he's never quite looked the same in Oklahoma City as he did there. So, Obviously, his defense hasn't been as good. He can hit the three when he's wide open, but he'll, he kind of passes up shots if anyone's in the area. So then it's just like, okay, he's you know, not the kind of guy who's really a post-up artist either, so he's not bringing a lot to the offense. 
Um, they started him for the first three games of the season. It quickly became clear that Jeremiah Grant was the better option at power forward and has been at the starting uh, spot ever since. And they brought in Marquise Morris um, in the bio market, and he's completely taken Patterson's spot in the rotation as the backup power forward. He played a little bit last night against Miami, but that was kind of in garbage time. I think at some point Donovan will give him, whether it's here in the end of the regular season or in someone gets in foul from the playoffs, there will be one more time we see Patrick Patterson because – Donovan does like him. Um, the team signed him for a reason. He's got one more year left on his contract. And if when he's at the best version of himself, as you well know as a Raptors fan, he's a very useful player and that a guy who can hit some shots, defend well, and then doesn't take up the ball. But he just hasn't been the same guy in Oklahoma City, which is why he's out of the rotation in favor of Morris now. Yeah, it makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And then the, the, the non-basketball question is, is uh, you know, in Toronto, we kind of knew him as a, a pretty big movie buff. He had... Uh, I think it was every week or every two weeks he had um, movie nights at one of the local theaters and he'd always be there and he would it would, it would be like whatever is the new exciting amazing movie that came out he would host like a, a movie night there and it was it was kind of a popular thing does he have anything like that uh, going on in OKC do not quote me on this because it was I think at like the start of the regular season but I saw something that he is producing a movie like a small um, wow. movie now so that, that is still definitely a thing um he hosts an event in Oklahoma City where he like that same kind of thing where like he takes I think it's you know kids to the movies with him and it's, it's like Patrick Patterson presents or something like that and yeah the that was the first thing I remember reading about when he came to the team the first like not just what is Patrick Patterson a basketball player. The first like human interest story was that Patrick Patterson is a big, big movie guy. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, those human interest stories kind of start to dry up when a guy's no longer in the rotation. So That's I haven't true. heard anything about it in 2019. But <laughs> hopefully he is still watching movies and enjoying himself. Um, well, well, he has the time now, time. right? <laughs> right, in his free time, exactly. Oh, great. Well, Jay, Thank you so much for coming on the show. Everyone can check out your writing at Raptors HQ and listen to the That's a Rap podcast, which you do, which is an excellent look at the Raptors. I listened to a couple episodes to get ready for this program. And we've got two games Wednesday and Friday between these teams. And if we're lucky, a matchup in the NBA Finals to look forward to between these squads. Thanks so much, Ben.